0: Hi there, this is Watchin', and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for black women on the corporate climb. In this episode, you meet Nona King. Nona is a career strategist and global marketing leader who coaches young professionals of color to learn practical career planning and job search tools and builds their influential networks to establish and navigate the professional world. After spending over 25 years building an impactful and rewarding career, As a senior marketing executive at companies like L'Oreal, Coca-Cola, and Himalaya, where she grew global brands to peak performance and created high performance teams, Nona's passion and core differentiator are centered around developing future leaders. Nona knows what truly drives job promotions, leadership opportunities, and pay advancement, and it's not mastering job tasks. It's how well you know your value, build meaningful connections, and lead by serving others. Complementary to Nona's widely successful career, she is an MBA graduate of Washington University's John M. Olin School of Business and holds a Bachelor of Music degree in flute performance from Vanderbilt University. Nona celebrates life as a wife and mother of two and resides in Houston, Texas. Um, I was so excited when we got to talk to Nona because she's someone who's using what she has learned and built over the last 25 years of being in corporate and learning um, what it takes to actually transition into meaningful work within the corporate space. And she's using that to help the next generation of leaders, right? So people who are just coming out of undergrad and who are thinking about what their transition can look like, as they start their professional careers but what i love is that there's still so much for each of us to take from the conversation regardless of where we are and what we've accomplished um because the wisdom that she has from having focused so much on leadership um can be applicable to whoever it is who's listening so as always grab your i choose a ladder notebook your favorite pen and your favorite beverage today i am drinking water because um I've had way too much champagne lately, um, and get ready to get to work. This episode is brought to you by The Review Planner. For many of us, performance review season is about to begin. For many of us, it's also a challenge to remember all of the things that we've done during the year. So what happens is our performance reviews become a one-way conversation where our managers are telling us what they think we did during the year, and without proof of our performance, it becomes incredibly hard for us to advocate for that raise, promotion, or new position that we know we deserve. So I created the Review Planner because I always wanted a tool like this, a systematic way to track all of our career accomplishments that are specifically tied to the feedback and growth areas that our managers are measuring our success by. The Review Planner helps you create a schedule for your career growth and it makes it easy to focus on the goals that you have throughout the year. With email templates, monthly checklists, built-in accountability and reminders, the planner keeps you on track to accomplish your goals and ensures you are spending your time on the things that actually move your career forward. I designed the review planner to help you focus on your career and prepare for your annual review so you can confidently speak up for yourself and earn what you deserve. To learn more about The Review Planner, head to thereviewplanner.com. Again, that's thereviewplanner.com. Nona, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know I harassed your sister to be like, hey, we need Nona in this thing. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, watching, I really,
1: really appreciate it. Thank you for asking me. Thank
0: you. Um, So I know that you've uh, very fairly recently taken the leap from corporate to pursue other things. And we're going to get to that because I know that it's something that a lot of our listeners are thinking about. Like, what's next? How do I know if I'm ready to leave? Have I learned enough? Um, So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you can think back to like when you were younger, like what did you think you wanted to be when you became a whole
1: adult? Oh, I wanted to be a lawyer. I remember asking my father... Um, we had a family friend who, in my mind, he made a lot of money. He would travel all these places. And I was like, what does he do for a living? And his, and my father said he's an attorney. I was like, okay, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And so <laughs> I probably was like seven or eight. And I kept saying, I want to be a lawyer all the way through college, even um, took the LSAT and everything. And when it was time to fill out the application as to why I wanted to be an attorney and what I was going to do, I was like, I was, and at that point, I knew I didn't want to go law school, I didn't want to be a lawyer.
0: Mm. And so how did you make your, like your, your transition, right? From, I know I'm about to be a lawyer to your, your first job, not being a lawyer. Like, was that something that your parents encouraged you to do? Or did you have to like figure out your next steps on your own?
1: Well, let me, let me give you a little, little background about myself. So I majored in music performance in college and went straight through from undergraduate school to graduate school. So when I was applying for, L, you know, to law schools or not even to law schools, I took the LSAT, I also took the GMAT because I really saw my future as you know, getting my MBA and in marketing and management. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when I, um, leading up to and after graduation, I actually couldn't find a job in marketing because that's what I was really interested in Mm -hmm. and now looking back I think it was because I did not have full-time work experience Mm -hmm. and because my college background was in music so when I was you know trying to interview the hiring managers who were trying to hire for brand manager roles they couldn't relate to my background Mm -hmm. and so you know obviously it was a very humbling and actually it was a very depressing time in my life to be to be honest -hmm. And my father suggested that I start my own marketing consulting business because he said one of two things could happen. Either I will gain the skills that people say that I lack, or I'll do so well that I won't even want to work for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I didn't have anything to lose. I had $40,000 worth of loans. I didn't have a job, you know, living at home with my parents. And I actually really enjoyed consulting, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that for a couple of years, but my bills, were more consistent than my income. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started passing my resume out again, right? And so I actually got a, um, a job offer with a nonprofit working in um, marketing, ma- uh, being as a marketing manager. And I was there for a little over a year. So then I knew I really enjoyed working, you know, working in marketing. And then I found out about an opportunity at Softsheen Products. And they had a brand, an assistant brand manager role available. And I was able to clearly communicate and translate the skills that I gained in the consulting, as well as my experience at the nonprofit to showcase how I could add value in their brand management, on their brand management team. And so my journey to working a corporate job took about five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. after my MBA
0: and I know that like your parents were like your dad was an entrepreneur right and so they didn't he didn't necessarily have um the network in like in the corporate space like like somebody whose parents have been you know managers in there, vice presidents in there so how did you go about getting those opportunities I know you mentioned some of them but like thinking back how did you do it because I think a lot of times now people are thinking about how do you get that next job how do you get that next opportunity especially if you don't have somebody who's necessarily opening doors for you or like welcoming you in. So what? thinking back to that time, how did you do that?
1: Honestly watching, how did I do it? I, ha- I still have to lean on my parents. Yes, they did not have corporate jobs. My mother was a school clerk at Chicago Public Schools. And like you mentioned, my father was an entrepreneur, had his own photography business. But they they taught me values, you know, values that are very important in anybody's uh, role at a company. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, having strong work ethic and you know following your passions and building relationships like that's I know that that laid the foundation to my educational and my career success. So I started with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did I know? I knew I wanted more. I've always, I mean, I wanted I wanted more and. I, I am the type of person that I'm a very observant person and I observe what other people are doing. And I am, if I admire them, I'm gonna find a way to do the same thing or even better if I can, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right? And so mm, part of this is, obviously I don't know everything. So I, I ask a lot of questions and I look for people I mean, I don't formally call it a mentor, but I ask, I look for people who can help me grow because I don't know everything.
0: So you just mentioned a topic that comes up quite a bit and it's around mentorship, right? And so Mm -hmm. how have you thought about mentorship as you've navigated these different companies, these different spaces? And then now as an entrepreneur, like how are you thinking about the role of mentorship?
1: Mm, Very good question. So I have to... I have to give huge kudos to my first um, company, professional corporate company that I worked for was L'Oreal, but it was in the soft-sheen products division because this was an environment that, it was so many smart, dynamic, um, influential, Black men and women who were doing some great things and um, just to be a, to be part of that be around those people who encouraged and who um, gave advice and challenged me and celebrated me. I mean it was just a it was a. now I look back I'm like, oh I, I kind of took it for granted, but I think that that also helped to lay the foundation of knowing, the importance of helping others and um, being approachable, and so the one of the huge gaps for for me growing through my career was that I did not have access to information or mentors in the corporate world, and so me transitioning to entrepreneurship and, and the connection between. What I did in corporate America and what I'm doing now with, you know, the career coaching is because I want to help, you know, young people of color gain that access to the information on how to navigate, how to establish, how to job search and plan for your career, and more importantly, how to, you know, build and tap into an influential network and 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 tapping into my network, the people that I've met through my educational and professional and 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 um, you know civic circles, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's so it really it it it's it's all connected. It's just part of my DNA.
0: And how do you think mentorship will play a role for you? Right, like now that you are in this new life, right? You're, I mean, your dad is. An entrepreneur forever so like that's a mentor that you could look to right although you're in you're an entrepreneur in very different times And when he started his business but as you're thinking about men, personal mentorship what is that looking like for, for me for, for me as i
1: built as as i built my business oh very very good question i am um one of the positives a lot of positives to going to school and meeting. People and leveraging those relationships is that you see your peers growing in corporate as well as owning their own businesses. And so I tap into that network. You, you've done it before. You you, you have your, your nonprofit, you have your business that you've had for a while. What are the pain points? I, I lean on that. I do a lot of um, reading mm. and um, I go to people and ask them this is this is a pain point that I'm that I'm having. Do you have Do you have any suggestions for me? So, in order to grow, it is learning. Also, like surveying my clients, what am I doing right? What's What's the What are the opportunities and course correcting there as well? Hmm. So,
0: as someone who, when you left corporate, you left at a high level. You were, you know, in leadership. So you've seen. People from all different backgrounds, but black women um, as well, navigating corporate. Are there mistakes that you see us making that like maybe our counterparts aren't or that you're talking to the, the young people that you work with in your business to like, hey, avoid making these mistakes as you try to navigate um, your corporate
1: careers? Yes, because I was that black woman. I mean, some, some black women um, lean on what is familiar and what is comfortable and they hang out with people who look like them. So yes, it was a great thing that my first corporate, you know, background was at Stomching Products with a, you know a, a number of successful Black men and women, but I also leaned on that as well. So, you know, the biggest opportunity for us is to really step outside of our comfort zone and really meet people from different experiences, different backgrounds, because it's going to help you gain knowledge. It's gonna help you broaden your network of advocates and you can help them grow by learning something about you. So what I do is I, when I'm meeting somebody new, I try to find at least three commonalities, I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, what three things do we have in common? And in order to do that, you have to ask questions mm-hmm. and you have to be open enough to share who you are and, and what you're about in order to find those three commonalities. And then when you do that, you start building those meaningful, authentic relationships.
0: So I think that there's some fear though, right? Like um, the narrative now around corporate is like, bring your whole authentic self to work. And they really mean the side of you that's closest to being a white person, right? Like they don't really whole... <laughs> Your whole black, like you know, they don't want Inglewood to roll up in a corporate space and pull in all of Inglewoodness, right? And so, how do we balance that, right? Knowing that, um, it, like stepping into our fullness and like bringing more of ourselves, like there's fear of judgment, I think a lot of the times that prevents people from feeling comfortable enough to share those commonalities. Um, and a lot of it is like trying to hide and distance yourself from those things that maybe are what help you develop the values that make you amazing in corporate, but you don't want to share that part of your life because you're afraid of judgment. So what would you say to that young girl who's like, man, I just want to keep it you know, above the board. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, and because they're afraid of like the consequences that may come with that.
1: It is a valid point. One thing that I share with, um, and I'm actually, learning this as I go through this with my clients, is that we, as Black women, we try to fit the mold that a role or a company might offer, thinking that, oh, we can fit that. But I think it should be a different mindset of really identifying your passions and what value you add so that you identify those companies and those cultures that you add value and you can be your whole self. You need to, you need to identi- identify what fits you. So personally, you know, when I went from working at Coca-Cola, where I, I did not feel like I brought my whole self, I definitely had a a different, showed a different aspect of myself at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think through maturity and identifying really what I wanted to do and my personal goals and my professional goals and rediscovering that clarity from me, I then started looking for a company and a role that <clears throat> that I felt comfortable. And so when I went from Coca-Cola, to Himalaya Herbal Healthcare, I found that mm. I, it, it was an excellent um, environment where it was so diverse, but not diverse, not just diverse from a, you know, cultural, racial standpoint, because mm. they had everybody there, but they celebrated a diversity of thought. And, and that was the difference Mm-hmm. And re- being able to recognize the, right, recognize that and aligning myself to that was, mm. was helpful. So I, to, short answer is, you need to identify a culture, a company that makes you feel comfortable to be to bring your whole self, mm-hmm. professional whole self, but still being authentic to you mm-hmm. and it's out there.
0: So as, as people think through that, right? Like I think interviewing for a job is kind of like dating, right? The first thing months, like you get the representative and then the real you shows up, right? So on the interview process, if you are a high performing talent and the company knows that they need diversity, right? They're going to bring their representatives. So are there things that they can look for or questions maybe that people should be asking on their first dates, their second date? Because sometimes there's like four interviews, their fourth date to let them know if this is in alignment with what their values are. Or is it a, you get there, you see, and then if it's not that, you bounce, right? Like, how what's, no, that, what's that bounce?
1: No, I think the key is conducting informational interviews with people throughout the organization. I mean, LinkedIn is a great platform to find people who work throughout the organization. They don't even have to just be in that particular department. And, you, you know, people are, they love to talk about themselves and just reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I'm, love to learn more about you the company where you work and um would like to get some advice and you can talk to people black people who work there people from other um backgrounds Mm -hmm. and that will help you it's not necessarily just the interview process it's doing these Mm pre-interviews beforehand and make sure this is really the company you want to align yourself
0: with yeah and i think sometimes people get nervous asking like they said they're asking for too much they don't want to be too difficult in the process but if you're at the final rounds where you're about to accept something, it is perfectly okay to ask the person to introduce you to some people on the team or introduce and that them in the like to totally. that, that is standard practice. People do it all the time. So if, if it's you and you're like, yeah, I feel like I'm getting the representative, you can ask that person who's interviewing you or the decision maker to introduce you to a couple of people in the company. Um. So Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking through imposter syndrome a little bit, right? Like I think it's something as, as storied careers as we have, as many degrees as we have, as many boxes that we can check, I feel like Black women more than most struggle hard with imposter syndrome. So as you think about your corporate career, but even going into this new phase of your life, right? Like you've made the intentional choice to leave the security and all of the things that come with corporate to be like, this is my passion. Um, Have you dealt with imposter syndrome? And if you have, like, how have you, you know, managed it? How have you tried to like get it under control? Okay. The short answer is yes.
1: Yes. I have uh, dealt with imposter syndrome. Um, Usually when I'm working on an initiative that I've never done before Mm. and to be very transparent, when you first asked me or invited me to talk on this podcast, I did feel a, a sense of imposter syndrome, believe it Why? This is my first podcast interview. Um, I, I told you. I mean, yeah, I'm just being transparent, okay? But there are ways that I definitely manage it. So I really do have a strong relationship with God. And I do believe that he puts me into situations that will help me to grow and he won't like leave me, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Practically... I keep a journal and I write down things that have happened in my life, the challenges that I've had and, you know, it's just that part. And then I also in my journal, I've captured 100 skills and strengths that I've accomplished Mm. throughout my career. And it I I go back to the journal and it's a great reminder of the value that I have and what I bring to the table. Mm. Third, I lean on my tribe, my husband, my family, my close friends, because they 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 keep me grounded and they help me to put things into perspective. Mm. And uh, lastly, um, my sister coined this very well: "You first feel it and you do it anyway." So you feel the fear, you feel the doubt, fear the doubt, feel it, feel the doubt, feel um, the worry. Mm -hmm. but you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I persevere and I do whatever it takes to succeed. Mm. Mm. It is very simple.
0: I think having that, um, so we call it our success bank, like the, the, the things that you've accomplished, the skills, the times that you've done it before to remind yourself like, hey, this is this is new, but I've conquered new things before. That makes all of the difference. Even if it's just like a few minutes before an interview or a few minutes before a new project or a presentation, because um, I have, I have a success bank and like, I put in there when like achievements happen, because um, there are times where you go into spaces where you're like, how did I end up here? Like, what? Yes. Is you, who did yes. I, like, I belong here? Right? Like it's, um, yeah, so I definitely highly, highly recommend whether it's a journal, a success bank, whatever it is that you need. Like, please do that for for your for your own reminder. Like I did that. This is something that I did, and if I can do that, yes. I can Um, so I can do it again. I can do it again and again and again and again <laughs> and again and <laughs> again. again, again. <laughs> So this question too, I because I, I know you work with oh, like a range of clients, but one of the things that we talk about um, in corporate as Black women all the time is hair, right? Like how mm-hmm. your hair is going to look, the acceptable Black hairstyle in the moment. And like while corporate, I think, has come a long ways in terms of what they deem professional, um, how do you think about, well, how did you think about it in your career? And then for your current client base, like, is it something that's come up? And if it has have their attitude changed from our attitudes about hair? Are they like, they going to get this twist out <laughs> if they like it or not? Like, how has that changed?
1: Mm, very good question. Very good question. So again, my first corporate role was at Softchain Products. Obviously they wanted you to bring your whole self in. So I have different hair colors. Um, I wore wigs sometimes. Um, you know, people wore braids. It was fine. But when I went from softsheen to Pactive Corporation. And pactive um, they were a very um, conservative, white-dominated type of culture. And I remember one day I, I came to work with a wig, with a bob, like a bob wig, and I got so much attention, I felt uncomfortable. People were saying, oh, you look, oh my goodness, I love that hair, great haircut, you should wear your hair like that more often, and I just felt so uncomfortable that I vowed to never wear a wig to work again, and I didn't, like, ever again, (laughs) you know, and, but I, I, I didn't, my go-to hairstyle, honestly, was a ponytail, because it was convenient, Mm. that was it, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'd wear my hair straight, and, um, it would kind of bother me when people say you should wear your hair like that more often. And I mean, I, As I if, guess they're make, they're trying to give you a bit of, you know helping you and giving you a little what's the word I'm looking for? A compliment. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Again, to give me a compliment, but, but you I, know, whatever.
0: You didn't ask them if how you should wear. I didn't them. ask.
1: I didn't. I didn't. I didn't ask. Yeah. yeah. So um. So what I. I never felt like wearing my hair a certain way would help or hurt my career. But I think when I started embracing my hair and I came with a level of just maturity more than anything, mm-hmm. that's when I started wearing my hair curly, okay. naturally curly. And it wasn't because I had risen up my the career. It was because of who because of my self-confidence, and you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In me. Mm-hmm. So I have not had that conversations with any of my clients, but I have talked to my, my girlfriends and, you know, as a Gen Xer, we, we just are loving that people are wearing, feeling comfortable wearing braids and twists and, You know long weaves and then changing it up Mm -hmm. i I think it's beautiful i I think it's awesome and quite honestly i feel like corporate america is starting to value it Mm. i don't think people are in a room having a conversation about somebody's hair do you see that their hair has changed it it, it's it's around us too much Mm. for it to be a conversation
0: Mm hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if if people are because I know I know people who still say, oh, my God, you should wear your hair like that more often. I think what they've now um, realize is that when you say that to somebody, the response that you get may not be the one that you want. And because <laughs> you don't want those conversations. Right. Like because people, I think, are just exhausted with everything that's going on in the world and like just all of the, the different things that people are trying to figure out. I think a lot, uh, I've seen all the memes about like their people's ability to code switch is like out the window. Like there's so many things that that people are just tired. Um, And I think because real conversations have been happening, people are starting to understand like what the boundaries are and what's appropriate and what's appropriate to say to someone. So I am grateful that that day is coming. I don't know that it's here, but it's definitely coming. Um, Okay, this is is a side note.
1: (laughs) I just, it just came to me. When I was in high school, I was in uh, an eight week music program and music camp. Mm-hmm. And um, it was only two black people one was me and somebody from the Virgin Islands, and everybody else was white. It was like 12 of us in a cabin. And I used to press my hair, and I had an electric pressing comb. And the times that I would go press my hair, all my cabin mates came because they thought it was so exciting to see Noda like straighten her hair from curly to straight. And I was like, yeah, come on and see. <laughs> it, you know? So, <laughs> so I think even probably in that early age, it didn't it didn't bother me as much mm-hmm. because I know people are because they don't ha- they don't have the luxury of having to be able to straighten their hair without a chemical, possibly, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And, the, not- and like I think at that age too, like you know that it's not malicious, right? But somehow mm-hmm. um as we get older, like we we stop giving people the benefit of the doubt just because of all yeah. of the other things that we're considering when we're filtering information, um, yeah. that sometimes it's like we immediately assume like malicious intent when somebody <laughs> may just really be ignorant. Although there's no excuse to be that ignorant because we got the internet, but but I get it. Um so you've mentioned a couple of companies that you've worked for, which means that you've transitioned um, a little bit. And can you think about a time in your career, maybe you were in a position where you felt stuck, right? Like if there was, um, you you felt like, oh, I've been at this live level for too long. And like, what did you do to help yourself get unstuck?
1: Yeah, so I was working for Coca-Cola and I was managing a brand called Old Walla. And they're in the natural healthy beverage space. It's a juice brand. Mm-hmm. And I had been in a couple of roles and over like a three-year period. And my manager didn't really seem like he was interested in promoting me. Fine. And so I actually um, started working with a career coach and she suggested that I make an intentional effort to get to know more people throughout the organization mm-hmm. and find ways to um, show my quality of work to people outside of the department, right? Mm-hmm. So I asked this senior level executive on another brand team if they wouldn't mind reviewing a major project that I was working on. Now, let's be clear, I was making sure that this work was going to be like phenomenal, you know, when I, when I was presenting and to try to get, you know, feedback and input. And so it went well and it helped for a couple of reasons. One, it allowed me to show my work performance outside of my circle, my my little department. Mm -hmm. And then after that meeting, I also gained a sponsor who Mm -hmm. was advocating for me because she was really high up in the organization. So she heard the conversations around leadership and promotional opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so maybe three months or so after I presented to her, a role opened up on her team mm-hmm. and I interviewed for it and I ended up getting a job. Mm-hmm. And it was a promotion. So that's how I got unstuck with that one.
0: I know that's like, <laughs> right. Putting the stuff out there, you know, and this is something that I say all the time, like being prepared is never a bad thing putting yourself mm. out there when you are prepared, right? Like if you are not prepared and you haven't done your work and you are raising your hand for all these things, you're hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. But when Absolutely. you're prepared and you've done the work, people can see, right? Or you can help them see through your own self-advocacy in in organization um, that you are ready, that you are high performing, that you're all of those things. And so your career is your responsibility ultimately and so you got to take it little your own hands right you people can help you but they can't do it for you and so love that love that love that um so we talked a little bit about cultural fit um and uh one of the things that i mean i'm a direct communicator i'm trying to be <laughs> a little less direct in my communication but how have you thought about your communication style um as you've navigated these different different um companies and different environments because you know, you don't want to say too much because you don't want to be labeled angry and black. You don't want to not say enough because then you are pushed over and you, you know, nobody wants to talk to you and people think that you're angry. And like, just like all of these yeah. things that as you try to figure it out, I'm like, I'm just going to be silent. Um, but for people like <laughs> me who are not capable of being <laughs> silent for too long, um, how do you think about, you know, communicating, knowing that there are all these stereotypes that are out there about black women and their communication style?
1: You know, what? honestly watching, I, I've not really had, to soften my communication style. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I have gone back and thought, man, I should have said this, you know, when they offended me, what I try to do, and I've gotten a lot better over the years is just being true to myself and and speaking my truth. And so what I do is I focus on the key points that I wanna make. And a lot of times, I write things down before I sh- have the conversations with people at work, mm. um, especially those sensitive, the sensitive conversations, because I want to make sure that they hear what I'm saying, mm. and not how I'm saying it. But they will still hear the passion in my voice, mm-hmm. right? But they're still fo- they're able to focus on what I'm actually saying. Mm-hmm there was a person that I worked with who kept saying, we need more thought leadership. We need thought leadership. And I didn't know what in the world they meant by that. What it really meant was they wanted to hear from me. Right? And so you have to, I know that we sometimes think through and and analyze things and, and try to figure out some people, some people try to figure out what they should say, Mm -hmm. but you should speak out. You should, your, 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 your experiences, the reason why people bring you on into the, into the room, into the, into the company is because you add some type of value that is unique to you. And you just have to remember that, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. even for you, when you say that you're speaking too much and you need to, no, you don't, this is you. And so you should share your, your information, but also ask the question, what do you think? Bring other people into the conversations, the ones that might be quiet. They might have a lot of very insightful things to say. Mm-hmm. So that's the process I try to, you know, the people that are quiet are usually the ones that are very insightful as well. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Put them on the spot and, and you might be surprised.
0: Um, and you moved on from, you know, company to company and, you know, ultimately now you um, transition out of corporate. Um, how do you know when it's time to move on? I know, like, because I think one of the things that Black women, if we ain't good at nothing else, we're good at overstaying in jobs that don't value. <laughs> we, yes. right, like, we stay, and and this is not just me, like, I hear that, I get the DMs all the time, I get the messages of, like, yeah, I knew I should have left a year ago, I should have left six months ago, I should have left five years ago, right, so how do you know when it's time to move on?
1: Yeah, so I asked myself four questions. One, am I advancing in my career? Am I learning something new? Am I advancing in my pay? Mm. And am I having fun? Mm. If I cannot say yes to three out of four of those questions, it's time to move on.
0: And so for you now, as you've you've transitioned, how did you know that you, like, that you had gotten the skills that you needed or whatever that that thought process was, that it was time to start something of your own. Cause you know, all those years ago, your daddy told you, girl, start this business. And at that point, right? Like it was like, "Uh uh-uh, these bills, right? So now we've gotten to this place where you're like, okay, I'm more mature. I've learned more. I I feel like I'm ready. But like, what was that process like for you? In case there's somebody who's you know on the fence right now and they're trying to check some boxes to see if, if now is the time.
1: Yeah, I think that um, quite honestly, a lot of things happened in 2020. Um, Just all the injustices, the the gap. I mean, I always knew this specifically for Black people. I always knew this, but it just came out into the forefront and it reminded me of my journey Mm. that it took so long for me to, reach the goals that i had set for myself because there was a gap and when i talked to my peers who are you know they're successful in what they do they everybody has this this they they're still saying the same thing yes i i didn't know what i was doing i just fell into this role uh, um i was under under underfilled you know i was underpaid you know but i didn't know what i was doing it took me a while to find a job a job and so and I'm I'm seeing the same things with friends and families and you know kids that are going through co- like the recent college grads. There is more, and I feel like I've learned so much, you know, through the challenges and the obstacles that I have faced. And quite honestly, even though yes, I have built an impactful career and had a seat at the table. It was time to build my own table because in my past, the consistent thing throughout my career is that I really try to help grow people. Like that is my purpose. That is my passion. And if there's, I mean, life is too short, right? And so if I want to make a difference, now is the time. And. Quite honestly, my husband is my biggest, biggest supporter and I couldn't do this I could not do this without him right he just putting things into perspective and saying, you know, this is the time we can do this you you. I want you to be happy again right like so. It's a combination of all of those. Mm,
0: mm. So it really is talk a little bit more specifically about the work that you're doing with your company. So what, what are you like, what does success look like for you? Who's the type of person that you want to be talking to and helping? Um, what part of this, right. Cause one of the things you, it's like, am I still having fun? What parts of this checks those boxes for you so that you know that you're closer to alignment than you were while you were working in your corporate job?
1: So I know that I am, um, align with my purpose because when just going through the process of meeting people for the first time and hearing their backgrounds and the challenges that they have and um, the lack of confidence and to be able to uncover the strengths that are already within them Mm. and helping them to just produce the self-confidence throughout the job search process Mm -hmm. and just preparing them for recruiting and, like what I aim for is to prevent people from working in unfulfilling and underpaid roles. And I'm focusing on young professionals of color. So, recent college grads, it could be two to five years, you know, um, and college students trying to, and I want to encourage them to find internships. I think that the gap for us, for people of color, is not having that network. And you can build it. Yeah, you can tap help, I can help start you, but you can build it and just going through that process. And you know what I also do is I teach ways to career plan, specifically, you know, career planning and going through the job search process, including like, you know, from resume, help, LinkedIn profile, de- de- figuring out your why from a career standpoint, mm-hmm. networking the, the whole interview, interviewing prep specifically.
0: Hmm. And for you, you know, you have a family, you mentioned your husband, um, work, building a business. Like I'm with you, assistant sister in the, in the thriving of building a business. Yeah. So it's a mm-hmm. lot, right? How do you mm-hmm. make sure that you don't get lost in all this and that you still have, um, bandwidth for yourself? I know one of the things that a lot of our executives talk about is like self-care and, you know, we're juggling a lot of things. And typically the first ball that we let drop is ourselves, right? So how are you yeah. Um, or are you even thinking about that at this point in your life of like, how do I not burn out um, when I have all of these other things that are pulling from my attention?
1: Watching it is very difficult and I'm still trying to figure it out, to be quite honest. I'm still trying to figure that out. As, as you mentioned, as being an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm focusing on building my, my business. Um, but it's very basic right now is I'm a, I put things in my calendar. And so those things that are very important in my life you know, my husband, my kids exercising, you know, praying and meditating, I put it in my calendar. So mm-hmm. I'm intentionally doing this
0: mm-hmm.
1: and honestly, my husband, my husband and I, we have very honest conversations about how to nurture our relationship and continue to nurture our relationship and, and further develop our, um, our family's um, growth while still building a successful business. Hmm. So if I find that I'm, I'm not feeling right, I got to pay attention to how I'm feeling. I got to pay attention to um, what's going on with my family, what they're saying, how they're saying it, listening to them. Hmm. If I need to course correct, I will do so. Hmm. So it's literally a moment by moment, day by day goal process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to what? with the self-care in addition to being there for my family because they're the most important, honestly.
0: Mm. So you mentioned working out. Like what else does self-care look like for you? I'm just getting to the place um of where working out is self-care as opposed to torture. So like the Lord is is definitely working on working on your girl because before my perspective was like this is torture. Like why does anybody want to do this on a regular basis? (laughs) Um, The Lord is working on me, but what else are you doing um, for self-care?
1: Yeah. Um, yes, in addition to exercising, it is um, getting my nails done. I love that. Um, I love listening to music. I love house music. So um, I, my son, he started like learning how to DJ. So I got my little personal DJ where I can just like dance. So I love that. Um, self-care is just relaxing. Mm-hmm. I love movies. Mm-hmm. I love to watch movies. I know we all are zoomed out, but I love having Zoom calls and connections with my, my, my friends. So one of the great things is, you know, for my business, I part of my my why is I'm able to tap into my network. So that means that I have to start talking to people and letting them know what I'm doing and engaging and saying, hey, would you be interested in you know, helping to mentor and be there to to conduct informational interviews. So then we have conversations, and we you know renew renew our our friendships and stuff. So that that's really enjoyable for me too. So I'm able to do two things at once. <laughs> you know, help the business build the business and build relationships. Yeah, establish restore
0: one of my new self-care things is like not just booking my calendar to capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Like building breaks yeah. in the day where I can, where I can just breathe, right? Like, and I told my, um one of my colleagues who han- handles my calendar, like you can't put me in four hours of meetings back to back, but that's just not because I can't function mentally. I can't function like that. I'm not thinking between meetings. Um, So like, that's a way that I, I've been like, okay, how do you take care of yourself during the workday, knowing that you're building a business? It's like, don't have me in eight hours of meetings six days a week like that's that's not that's not um why just died on the cross for me to be in meetings all day that's not it yeah. um so one last question before we go to um the lightning questions are there things from your corporate career that you think now that you have it right so the first time you were going to be an entrepreneur you didn't necessarily have the corporate experience and all of the learnings now that you're on the other side of it, are there things from your corporate career that you are using in your current um, building of your company or skill sets that you've taken that have helped you um, as you started to develop your company?
1: Yes. Servant leadership is one of them.
0: Hmm.
1: The second one is strategic thinking. Hmm. And a third one is building meaningful relationships. So let me explain. So, servant leadership as a leader, I think it's very important to serve. And when you improve upon that skill, you learn to better communicate and empathize with people, and you're able to better collaborate. And I also think that you can further develop what I call intercultural competency, because that is crucial when you're working with a global workforce, right? Mm -hmm. Strategic thinking is very very important and i know people say it's well, strategic thinking but what it does it, it adds value because you're able to look at the big picture and try to avoid problems and conflicts and you know be able to connect the dots and see the interrelationships between different elements of the business so that's important obviously from an entrepreneurial standpoint as well as you know corporate and then lastly building meaningful relationships so when I finally got out of my comfort zone and started truly building relationships with people who I didn't have a lot of experience background with them, mm-hmm. that's when I truly grew. I mean, because quite honestly, the people who gain the job offers, promotions, and the pay advancements are the people who build those meaningful relationships and they make their value known to influential people in the organization. Mm -hmm. And so you have to build those meaningful relationships.
0: And what I will say too, on the meaningful relationships part, I think, you know, we look at people and on the surface, we assume that we don't have anything in common with them. Right? And so we don't even make the effort to get to know people. And this goes both like for white people, black people, Hispanic people, like everybody, right? We assume like, oh, she's from here. We, We couldn't possibly have anything in common. And then you end up at a happy hour one day and you're like, oh, we like the same music and we like this. (laughs) Yes. Like, oh, I thought you were this, but you're that, right? And so I think to your point of like finding the commonalities, right? People have different backgrounds and there may be people where you have nothing in common with. That happens. But more often than not, you can find points of connection with people if you really want to. So Nona, for like knowing all that you know about what it takes to be successful in corporate America now, right? If you were talking to, A young you on campus or somebody who's currently on campus, are there resources that they should be taking advantage of or things that they should be doing right now to help make that transition from being a student to being like a full-time employee a little bit easier?
1: I would say, one, start practicing asking people how you can help them Mm -hmm. because it will build your skill of empathy Mm -hmm. and servant leadership. Mm -hmm. That's one. Two, I think it's very important to start capturing your strengths and your skills in some type of journal because you can use that when you are starting to build your resume, your LinkedIn profile, prepare for interviews, Mm -hmm. and it is truly a great confidence booster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And third, if you are open to this, I would strongly encourage you to take some type of careers assessment so that you are open to other career options that might align with your passions. Mm.
0: And, you know, no, no. on that note, though, like one, I would say not if you are open to it, be open to it and take the assessment, young people. Um, But also for people who have been in careers for a while, right, where you feel like you've just been going down the same path, you don't necessarily know where you want to be, what's going on. Those assessments, right, you take what you need from them and you leave what doesn't feel right to you. But it 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 absolutely it, it triggers your mind to start considering things, right? Considering perspectives that you may not have thought about. They ask you questions that you would not have known to ask yourself. So I would say that advice applies for anybody, regardless of That's where true. you are, not just the college and the recent crack, like recent college graduates. But if you've been five, 10, 15 years and you've just been doing the same thing and you feel stuck, take an assessment. Take an absolutely. assessment. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to go to the lightning round. And okay. think too much about these, it's just the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, okay. What's one piece of career advice you wish you had gotten earlier in your career?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, secure a summer internships uh, starting sophomore year in college. Hmm.
0: Um. What's a career lesson that took you the longest to learn, but it's had the biggest impact on your career?
1: I'm going to have to say building meaningful relationships professionally.
0: Hmm. Um. What's a book that you can read over and over again?
1: Um, the seven habits of highly effective people. There is a section in the book that that has stayed with me where you are supposed to visualize your own funeral hmm. and The question is asked, what would you want people to say about you and your life? And that helped to reveal my values and and define my career level of success. Like what it defined my my, my level of success. Mm.
0: Um, We all know that decisions about your career are going to be made when you are not in the room. So what do you hope people are saying about you when you are
1: not in the room? That... I create high performance teams and engage teams because I listen. I uncover hidden strengths. Um, I'm an empathetic thought leader. And I help catapult careers and I help to restore self confidence. That's what's important.
0: I love that. And on that note, Nona, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, thank this you is so you. much fun um dropped a whole lot of gems where I was like oh I should be thinking about this so so thank you thank so you thank you now you all know that I like to end every single episode with my top three gems and so here we go the first one um the importance of making deposits into your success bank right so when you accomplish something that you're proud of, when you accomplish a goal that seemed impossible, but you did it, having a written record of that accomplishment that you can then go back to when you are feeling a little unsure, if you're having a little bit of imposter syndrome, how important it is to have that resource ready before you need it, um, and to be able to to tap into that um, as necessary. The second thing is the benefits of living by a calendar. Oh my gosh, I've not I did not realize how important it was to keep a schedule and to be disciplined about it, but how keeping a schedule literally helps you to be more productive. It keeps you more sane. It's a way to take care of yourself. So if you are not using your calendars, please use your calendars. And I think that the last thing that I am learning more and more um, this year is the importance of putting yourself out of your comfort zone as you go after the different goals and the success that you've set for yourself, how important it is to not judge a book by its cover or judge a person on initial um, impression, but to put yourself out of your comfort zone, put yourself in situations that you may not uh, on a regular basis and just to see what happens. as always, if you want to keep the conversation going, you can connect with us through our newsletter by texting "climb" C L I M B to six six eight six six. Again, that's "climb" C L I M B to six six eight six six. Or you can connect with us on the social media platforms: so LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, at I Choose the Ladder. And until next time, thank you for listening.